Und wenn das Wort war, dann heißt Wort am Parshas Schäuftem, Wort von Gesab Seufer. Und wir gehen in der Parsha, er talks about somebody who's worshiping over the Zura. Und der Pusik sagt, wie jeidlich wie Arbeit der Himmel heirem, wenn somebody is worshiping other God, wie Stachilam, will a Shemesh, oder die Reich, oder die Holzwaschemeim, also let's see wie sie. Somebody is bowing down to the sun, the moon, the stars. Let's see wie sie. Hashem didn't command us to. So Rashi explains, let's see wie sie means, let's see wie sie of them. Hashem didn't command us to worship the sun and the moon. So Ksav Seifer says, well, obviously not. Hashem doesn't let us worship them. What does it mean that Hashem is telling us, I didn't command you to worship them? So he explains that there are people who would, would think that they want to bow down to the sun and the moon because Hashem gave them power. Hashem gave them overpower. And if Hashem gave them power to, to run the world and to uh, have such influence on the world, it must be that they, you know, that they, have, they, they have something that's worth worshiping. He says, but it's really a, a big mistake because the sun and the moon and everything else whatever looks like nature, is all just an extension of Hashem's hand. Hashem is, is, by extension, using them to do what He wants. They don't have any power on their own. Hashem is not even telling them what to do, and now they're doing it on their own. Hashem is using the sun to make light. He's using the moon. He's using everything. And it's all happening exactly the way Hashem wanted to. They have no power of their own. And when a person realizes that, that every force in nature and everything that looks like it's happening is not really happening at all, it's all Hashem making it happen, then obviously there's no reason to serve them anymore. Says the Pusik is telling you that if somebody is worshiping the sun and the moon, Ashulotzi he doesn't realize that it, he, he thinks that I didn't command them. He's serving them, he's worshiping them, thinking that I didn't command them, I let them, and they're doing it on their own. And of course, that's the big mistake. They're not doing anything on their own. It's all a direct command of Hashem when the sun is shining and the moon is glowing, and whatever else is happening is all uh, directly by Hashem. I don't often mention this idea, but I was talking to someone this past week, and, and you know he told it to me, and every once in a while I hear people mention it, and it's, and it's important to mention. I actually wrote it in my essay last week, for those of you who got my weekly essay by email. There are certain difficulties that a person has in life that sometimes it's just easy to realize, yeah, this is from Hashem. When? When it looks unavoidable. It looks like it was a natural uh, occurrence, and automatically we believe that Hashem is running the world, so it must be that Hashem is behind it. Um, but then there are things that we tend to blame on people around us. People who do have the power to choose. And if they're doing something we don't like, it's sometimes hard to remember, hey, this is from Hashem, not from that person. In other words, similar to what somebody might make a mistake about the sun and the moon, assuming that they have their own power, which is the biggest mistake that, that one can make, it's the same with everyone around us. Now, it's true that people around us do have the ability to choose, and they are responsible for their actions as well. At the same time, the way it affects us, or anything that happens to us because of it, is directly from Hashem. And something that Surim talk about at length, how to understand that. But it definitely makes it somewhat easier when somebody sees certain difficulties they're experiencing in a relationship, and they remind themselves the whole time, you know, this is from Hashem. This is a challenge from Hashem. This is something that Hashem will give me the, the courage to overcome. This is something that Hashem is sending my way. Let me see what I can do about it. Let me talk to Hashem about it. Let me ask Hashem for, for, the, for the right uh, ideas and the right methods. And, and other Abba, Hashem wants us to do what we could to better our situation uh, at any given moment. But remembering that it's from Hashem just makes it that much easier to tolerate, to deal with, and the Mitzvah to overcome. So with that, let's talk about the situation, the Shalom Bayi situation, which of course, you know, like I just said, it's all from Hashem, and Hashem wants us to do what we could what we could do about it. Thereby growing, I follow you on Torah anytime. I love the Torah Dega Ashkufa and the clarity in how you explain things. I really benefited from Yeshidim. Thank you for the tremendous cloud work, and Hashem shall enable you to continue your important work. Okay, thank you very much. Now I have a question for you. It seems to me that something is missing in my relationship. Baruch my wife, allowed me to learn in Koil for X amount of years. Currently, I'm holding down a decent job since I left Koil. 
quite a few years ago. Money is quite tight, but I try to be happy and be with a positive attitude. After coming home from work, I try helping with the kids and go out again to learn at night. To me, it seems that my wife is constantly unhappy with me. Maybe it's just the wrong per- perception that I have, but that's the feeling that I have, and I want to know how to get rid of it. And I've talked to her about the fact that it seems to me that she isn't in a good mood a lot of the time, and she has told me that she has the right to be unhappy, but it doesn't mean she's unhappy with me. I've already learned that she compares herself a lot to her mother, who has always held down a few teaching jobs and also managed her house, and she also compares herself to one of her siblings, who's a also running a, a big company, and looks down at herself as she is a stay-at-home mom who sometimes who sometimes brings in money through some small side job. I try to boost her with compliments, but I probably forget a lot of times. I made a resolution to give her three compliments a day after a recent quarrel that we had. When, I've asked, when I have asked for appreciation, saying I don't get enough thank yous, she says I'm a bottomless pit, and she cannot tell me thank you enough. Somehow it seems to me that I constantly miss the times when she does tell me thank you. Although when I asked her that she does, when I asked her what she does to show me love, she came up with something like she bought a certain food special for me because I like it, and she made a certain uh, recipe because she knows I like it, etc. And that she does things in a way that I prefer, even though it's harder for her. I don't know why I didn't feel appreciated by these gestures, even though this is how she is showing appreciation. Maybe it's because she only told it to me after I asked her what she does to show appreciation. In short. How can I make myself more comfortable and settled at home? Is it her general attitude towards me that I feel underappreciated? And if so, what is the love language that I'm looking for? And then he adds that he, he read my book and he's assessing him and his wife's personalities based on what he read over there. Okay, so let's try to address this from different angles. Um, there are actually quite a few different things mentioned in this letter. Uh, whether it's about her unhappiness or his appreciation or or her low self-esteem, etc. There's different things over here that, that might be worthwhile addressing. Let's try to get to some of the points which I hope will be, will be helpful. So one thing that I want to start off with is, is perspective, perception, perspective. Um, you mentioned that, that it seems to you that she's unhappy with you and you add that you might be wrong. Which is, which is very, it's very good, very uh, commendable when somebody is willing to question their own perspective. It doesn't mean that you're always wrong, by the way. It just, it just means that, that you might be seeing something that isn't accurate, for starters. And it's always good when people could question what they're seeing um, without being too insecure. And there's another thing that you and your wife might not be seeing the same thing, which is also an interesting thing to acknowledge and to validate and to accept I see it one way, she sees it some, uh, another way, and that's, that's just how things are. You can't expect people to always see the same thing. There's that uh, story about the therapist I, I mentioned, I heard it from him, um, sitting with a couple, and he asks the younger man, um, how long is this recent uh, struggle? You know, coming by Sean Baez, how long are you struggling? He says he thinks it's about between three and six months. And he sees right away that the woman is shaking her head viciously, and he looks at her and says, how long is this going on? six years and it just goes to show without going into any deeper understanding of why one person would see it that way another person this way um, but it just it just it just shows that yeah sometimes we, we see things differently what could look to you like you're unhappy you know about yourself might look to me like you're unhappy about me or more than that what looks to me like you're unhappy about me might not even be accurate it's just it's, it's very important to understand that and so often half a Shalom Ba'ez problem, and sometimes it's a Chinuch issue that turns into a Shalom Ba'ez problem, is over the fact that we don't have the same perspective. 
and we disagree on what's really going on. The fact that I think it's okay and you think it's not good, that, that's terrible. We, we're already fighting over that alone. And, and both of us are keeping it up because I can't handle that you think it's a bigger problem than it is and you can't handle that I think it's a smaller problem than it is. And this becomes a new problem that we still have to resolve, which of course will never be resolved, um, that we don't agree on exactly what the issue is. It's okay. And whoever could uh, surrender first without, without necessarily giving in and saying, oh, you're right, which would, you know, might, might sometimes be wrong on its own, but no, it's okay. It's okay if we don't see the same thing. So that's, that's definitely just a, a good idea to start with. So questioning your own perspective and especially agreeing to disagree and having a different perspective than, than someone else, that's, that's um, you know, it's really important. So the fact that your wife is telling you that she's not necessarily unhappy with you, okay, even if it looks like she is, even if it looks like that's really what it is, if she says it's not, you know, it's okay. It might not be. I'll tell you more than that. Even if she tells you she is unhappy with you, it might not be. Now, there's the fact that you feel that she's unhappy with you, or she's even saying that she is. It might be she's just unhappy with herself and not necessarily anything to do with you. And that's, that's the next thing I wanted to discuss. I, I, I don't know your wife. I don't know anything more about your situation than you're writing to me. But sometimes it's important to remind yourself that this might be her, her issue. Not because you don't care about her and not because you want to have that apathetic attitude of, you know, go, go make yourself happy. But just remembering that the fact that she's unhappy might be her own issue. Now, nobody wants to be ignored. And nobody wants to, you know, get a silent treatment. And nobody wants to have a wife who's sulking and giving that kind of attitude. And I know it's not fun. And I know why it's bothering you. It's still important sometimes to remember it's not about you. The fact that somebody's dealing with their own personal issue and, and it's rolling over onto you, but it's their issue and not necessarily yours, it's already, it's a, it's already comforting, let's call it. Now, my, my point is not that you should say, okay, so I'm a great husband and this is her own misery, her own depression, her own whatever. No, every, everybody should try to work on themselves. Everyone is looking to perfect themselves. Um, everyone should always be open and accepting to the fact that I, maybe I could be even a better husband. Not a question. Maybe there are things I could do that will make my wife even happier. Why not? There's a balance between looking to be a better person and then being codependent and deciding that you're responsible and somebody else be happy. It doesn't have to be either or. You don't have to either not care because it's their issue or care and, and blame yourself and put yourself down and be committed to finding a solution and do everything it takes to make someone else happy. There's definitely some balance in general. And bechlal to know how to make someone feel like you really care about them without taking blame. Caring about someone doesn't mean that you take the blame and, and let them feel like it has nothing to do with them because you care about them. You know, there's definitely a balance that a lot of people need to learn. Especially if, as you're writing to me, that she has a, a self-esteem issue and, and a inferiority complex issue and comparing herself to the people around her, which might not even be a secret. It could be she told this to you many times already. So I don't want, I, I'm not suggesting you should put it in her face and say, you know, you have your own issues. What do you want from me? Especially if she claims that she was, doesn't want anything from you. But it, it's... It's important to remember you might not be able to do something about it. I was just talking to somebody also last week. Um, from what he was describing, he's trying so hard to make his wife happy. And, and I commend it. I think it's wonderful. I think it's beautiful when somebody cares that much. Without realizing, however, that she has her own unhappiness issue that has to be dealt with. You could try to help her deal with it. You could try not to. You might not be able to. And you, and you could still try to do whatever you could do. But there's something about you know, balancing when seeing somebody struggle with their own mental health and their own self-esteem and their own um, mood and happiness level and, and still not taking full responsibility for it while caring about them and trying to be a better husband. Not a question. Now, 
let me just talk a few minutes about what, what you threw in at the end, something about a love language, right? Giving and getting in a relationship is, is so important. I think mo- most of relationships um, depend on giving and getting. That's what relationships are about. That, that's what a relationship technically is. It's not just that we happen to be in a relationship, but we happen to depend on each other. There's, there's the giving and the getting, which is the relationship. Now, giving and getting um, are two, are two uh, totally different ideas. Some people know how to give, but they don't know how to get. And some people know how to get and take, but they don't know how to give. And it's, of course, the balance of two people giving and two people getting that, that turn it into a relationship. And here's where the idea of the love languages keeps on coming up, where people say, well, I'm not getting what I need, or I'm not giving what, what, what you need, or I'm trying to give, and she's not taking away. I'm not taking it, etc. I mention this so many times, but every time I, I, I feel the need to clarify again. There definitely is an idea of love languages. There's definitely an idea... An idea that in order for me to feel like I'm getting something, it has to be something I'm interested in. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna want to give me, and you're looking to give me, so you're buying me a whole container of lizards or salamanders because you know that some people like collecting those. You, you didn't give me anything except some grief. It's important to remember that when you give someone something, it has to be on their terms. You, you're looking to give what is meaningful to someone, and not just to say, "Well, I gave." That has to make sense. And the same thing is the other way around. When you when you're giving to someone, when you're the giver, um, you want to give. What's right? When, when, you, when you're getting, you want to make sure you're getting what you need. Both, both ideas are true. Both ways are true. You, you're not getting if it's not something that's meaningful to you, and you're not giving if it's not something meaningful to the other person. The problem often is, however, that people take this idea and they use it against other people. In other words, they'll, they'll keep on noticing how you're not giving me what I want to get. And that's why they'll be upset. Instead of saying, you know what, maybe I should realize that you're trying to give me, on your terms at least, and the thought alone, or the intention, or the care, or the feeling that's behind the fact that you're giving me salamanders, is also something. It's not, it's not what I want. And I might, I might uh, still need to clarify what I want. I might have to get some of what I want from someone else, actually. But knowing how to use this in a healthy way, and not, and not in a blaming way. Sometimes people could be getting four out of the five love languages, let's call it, but it's the fifth one they're not getting that they get stuck on most. Not so much because it was me- most meaningful to them. Or if you would have asked them which one you want, that's what they would have picked, but because that's the one they're not getting. In other words, they like everything. Whatever they don't get, that's what they notice first. So it's definitely a tricky topic that people uh, misuse. It's important to know what you want, to be able to clarify your needs, and to ask for them in an assertive and healthy way. It's important to know what someone else needs so that you can make them the happiest possible. As long as you're doing these things to be a better person and do whatever you could do to make your relationship better, it's a wonderful topic to study and to pursue and to uh, perfect yourself in. When you're starting to become resentful that you're not getting what you want, or that what you're giving is not being taken, etc., you know, that's, that's where people definitely misuse it. Um, so let's start with the giving. The fact that your wife um, is not so happy, and you feel that maybe you should be giving more, and you made a resolution to give her a few compliments a day, I think it's wonderful. As a matter of fact, I suggested many times to people to put a reminder in your phone um, to make your wife feel good a few times a day. It could be once a day, it could be twice, it could be three times a day. And if it's not in the same minute every day, she might not even notice that your phone is ringing to tell it to you. She'll feel good. So I, th- I think it's a wonderful thing. And if you notice that it's something she needs, then, then go ahead. I, I will, I will um, just add something that I, I often try to clarify when I'm giving this advice to people. And that is, you know, the simplest um, form of making someone feel good, especially somebody who likes words of affirmation, as it's called, is compliments. Three times a day, I'll give you a compliment. I'll compliment you as a person, I'll compliment what you did, I'll compliment uh, something that, that was meaningful, etc. Some people don't know how to handle compliments well, first of all. They don't know how to take it and show appreciation for it. And sometimes it just becomes a little, 
you know, too much. Another compliment, another compliment, another compliment. And sometimes when you give enough of them, that's when the person realizes, yeah, compliments I'm talking getting, but I'm not getting the other thing. You know, that's where this whole thing is misused. Um, so you got to be a little creative. Making someone feel good three times a day doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean three compliments a day. It could be one time a favor you do for them. It could be one time a compliment. It could be one time an uh, expression of appreciation. And it could be one time asking them their opinion about something. So one of those three times a day, you just made them feel very good by asking them their opinion. It could be one time by asking them for a favor. I tell people all the time. One of the three times, instead of complimenting or showing appreciation, ask for a small favor, a very small one. And asking someone to do you a favor, aside, the, aside from the vulnerability that you're showing and the openness and the connection, there's something about making someone feel good that they're being asked for a certain favor. And you're setting yourself up to now compliment them when they do it and say how meaningful it was to you. In other words, sometimes people don't realize that by complimenting too much, you're becoming the therapist, you're becoming the, the giver who doesn't know how to take and doesn't know how to make someone feel needed and special. So be, complimenting someone too much sometimes is, you know, is defeating the purpose where the person just feels like, okay, so what do you need me for? To compliment me a few times a day? So my point is just that the resolution of having someone in mind a few times a day is wonderful and you could be creative and come up with many ways uh, to make someone feel good. Now, it seems that, on the other hand, you claim that you're not getting enough thank yous and that when your wife is telling you that she made the, the apple kugel to tell you thank you, like, oh, I didn't realize that you didn't tell me that it was hard for you or that you did it for that reason. So again, back to the idea I was saying, the fact that somebody tried doing something for you um, and this is how they felt they're making you feel good, accept it. Well, I only heard afterwards, I didn't realize it's not what I need, but it's okay. The first thing is to accept it. It's very important to know how to accept it. Um, sometimes people will say something like, you know, I did that for you, and the, jerk, the knee-jerk reaction is, you did that for me, I, I didn't need that. Or, or the knee-jerk reaction is something like, well, well why, why didn't you tell me? That would make it more meaningful. Don't disprove what someone just told you. If somebody's telling you, I did something for you, you know what your response should be? Oh, wow, thank you so much. It really did mean a lot to me, actually. Sorry, I didn't thank you earlier. That, that's, how to, that, that's how to accept it. Later, you can repackage it and say, next time, please tell me, or I would appreciate if, aside from that, you also do something else. But don't, don't, uh, don't um, disprove what someone's telling you. It, there's no point. When somebody's trying to be nice, accept it. And this is something that many people have a difficulty with. Someone, someone's trying to give them something, and they're just busy explaining why either you would have done it anyway, or it's not what I needed, or who asked you for it, or wh- why are you doing that? Make it easy for someone to give you by accepting what they give you, and they'll want to give you more of it. So thank them for it. and I, You know, you can even make believe you're taking the blame for not noticing that they did it for you. In most cases, it will only, it will only get more and not, and not less. There's another um, communication issue here, which is being assertive. In other words, instead of asking somebody, uh, why don't you say thank you? Instead, you're, you, like I said, you use vulnerability and you say, you know, I, could, I, I would appreciate if you tell me thank you. Now, when you do that, especially because your wife claims she does already, it's important to say you probably do and sometimes I might not notice it. And to me, hearing the words thank you for things that I do are so meaningful, and aside from all the times that you already do it, if you could do it more, and I'll notice it more, it will mean a lot to me. And I always, always end off with you. You don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, being clear about what's meaningful to you is, is, is very important. So like I said, it has to be worded properly. It shouldn't be worded like someone's doing something wrong, or worded like they didn't realize it on their own, or worded like everything they did till now was no good. You know, but if, you, if you're clear about what you need, it's definitely important. Now, if somebody does tell you thank you, even if it was just a, oh, thanks, you're very welcome, I appreciate that, you have, you have to know how to take something. So many people just don't know how to take it, they, they know how to disprove it. No, I didn't mean that, that's not what I meant, it is, it's not. 
the more you take and the more you appreciate what's being given, the more you get. Um, and like I said before, sometimes you just have to understand that sometimes, for example, the words thank you are hard for someone to say. And if her way of saying thank you or her way of be, giving you or her way of making you feel good is by making you a certain kugel, take it and remind yourself, this is her thank you, I hear it, this is thank you. Now, does that mean she shouldn't be saying thank you if that's what's important to you? No, she should be saying thank you. Does kugel mean thank you? It, it doesn't necessarily. But sometimes if you try to interpret it well and realize that somebody's trying to be nice and you know how to take it, very often that's, that's a better way of, of getting. So this is what I keep on saying. There is a double standard. You try to give someone on their terms, you try to get on their terms. And very often that's what, that's what you could do most to help your relationship. Now I do want to talk a little about, about bad moods, right? I started before also about the codependency thing. Your wife is in a bad mood. You might not be able to help her. She might have her own self-esteem issues, etc. Um... You know, there's a cute saying about the fascinating ability that women have to have their own bad mood make somebody else miserable, right? And it's not only women, but very often it is actually uh, women, right? They're in a bad mood, and it's amazing to see how somebody else around them is becoming miserable because they're in a bad mood. Now, now you might say, well, what do you want? it's my mood, what do you want from me? I'm not happy, I have to be happy? You don't have to be happy, but it's important to remember that your frown, um, or your attitude, or your mood, or whatever you want to call it, is definitely giving off an energy to the people around you, especially if they do feel that it might have to do with them, or if they do feel that you're trying to give over a message, even if you claim you're not. So it's, it's, very, it's very important. The fact that somebody is moody by nature, or the fact that there's all kinds of these hormonal, um, I don't want to say excuses, but uh, explanations for bad moods and whatever else, doesn't make it any more pleasant to deal with. Um, I said this recently in, in a shir, and I don't mean it in a bad way, that it should be used against anyone. But the fact that somebody's married to you doesn't mean they have to tolerate your bad mood. In other words, it's important to remember that if, the, if, if this person would be far away right now, if they weren't married to you, doesn't mean that you should take advantage of the fact that they are married. In other words, if you'd be, if you'd be giving this, this treatment or attitude to somebody, um, whether it's a next-door neighbor or it's a cousin or sister-in-law, you could be sure they wouldn't be around you too much, right? So the fact that somebody's around you because they have to be and they're married to you, that's not something to take advantage of. Just think about it. So I know it's hard to snap out of a bad mood, especially when you're dealing with your own issues. For, for starters, try. Try to put on a smile. Try to clarify. You know, try, try, try to make it look like you're not so upset, first of all. And, and, and second of all, I, th- I think it's important to, to clarify that it's not about someone else. Don't wait till they say, what's bothering you? No, nothing. Are you upset at me? No. You, you go clarify this. I mean, I'm having not such a great day and it's not about you. Again, it's not easy, but I think it's important. I think people around you are deserving of hearing that the fact that you're sulking is not about them. I think when you tell it to them before they ask you, they might, they might already feel a little better. Somebody just told me last week also that um, when he got married, his father told the couple, I always hear these things that people say, oh, my, my parents told us when we got married, they gave us this advice. I, I, wonder, I wonder if that's the way to be mechanach a couple, or if it helps bechlal. Uh, but I actually heard this more than once already, something similar to this. He says his father told them, right after they got married, uh, two pieces of advice. One is never go to bed in a fight. Uh, you should always make sure to resolve any kind of uh, conflict before, you, before going to sleep, which I heard other people also tell couples as if, to, as, if, as if saying it helps. I'm not sure exactly. Or maybe they just say it because it didn't work by them and they want the couple to know it. Um, and the second thing was, don't bring, don't bring home a bad mood. That was the idea. You know, you're, you're in the office, you're at work, and things are not going good, and you're sour about it. Don't bring it home. Leave it over there. Again, sounds cute. Um, sounds, uh, what's the word? Idealistic and, and true. It's a good piece of advice, by the way. I'm not, I don't mean to, to uh, disregard the, the idea. 
I wonder how much saying it helps anyone. Um, but I think, in, 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 like I said, it's easier said than done. But I think it's important to remember that, you know, for example, anyone who's, who has their own self-esteem issue, comparing themselves to people around them, or their own stress levels, or their own whatever it is, that has to do with a lot of other things. Don't, don't give it off on your spouse. Now, why am I even saying it? Is, is anyone asking? Does it really help to say it? I don't know. I'm just trying to remind people who hear it that we don't realize sometimes how we, we take something personal and we turn it so quickly into something interpersonal that at that point you're just, you're just fighting with someone else and you don't have someone to help you. That's the idea that I, I mentioned from the Basaran who said there are people who they are connected to the Yetzirah and they're screaming to Hashem, help. And then there are people who connect themselves with Hashem and they scream at the Yetzirah. You have to know who's on your team. Who are you with? And if people would only realize that when you're together with your spouse, you could deal better with your own bad mood or your own inferiority complex, as opposed to if you're connected with your complex and you fight with your spouse, now you're dealing with misery and you don't have anyone to help you. So again, it's just food for thought. Um, so the, the questioner here is not the one that's necessarily in the bad mood. Um, that's the one that might have to just pull away and realize that there's only so much I can help you with. Pull away doesn't mean to show that you don't care. Pull away doesn't mean to... Uh, not interact because somebody's in a bad mood. Pull away means to not take the blame and the responsibility to make someone else happy. But I think in general it's important for people to realize that uh, anything personal, anything that's causing you a bad mood, make sure it doesn't turn into an interpersonal thing. So Mitzvah Shem, when we learn to understand each other and communicate better and give and get and do whatever we could to build a connection you know, and, and know how to give and keep on wanting to give and give something that's meaningful to the other person and know how to accept what someone else is giving, you know, when I myself when we communicate about these things the right way, it can help us build relationships and live together.